Hello, and welcome to another segment of Your Please. Questions Scrubbed Away. I'm your host, clean, impeccable, tidy, and always willing to answer why, Sir Clean. I hear we have yet another question from a local clean clothed enthusiast. Let's see what it is. Yeah! Welcome back to Cleveland Schwill, everyone. I have a special guest. We've got an actor with us, Rob Yeager. And if you know him, you love him. If you don't know him, you're about to love him. Uh, yes, he is one of the best personalities in Cleveland. Uh, everywhere he goes, smiles, follow. But before we get into the interview with him and everything that he's been up to, everything that he's done, and everything that is about to come out, we have to talk about what we're drinking. And as always, I've got my co-host with me, Dave Hamilton. Dave, how are you doing? What are you drinking? Uh, 60 degrees, 20 degrees, 65 degrees, back to 10 degrees. I what are you, a meteorologist all of a sudden? I love the stupid weather around here, so just know that I'm enjoying it. Uh, today, I'm drinking, uh, since it's, it's a little earlier today, it's early for us, but I'm, today I'm drinking uh, what I, for me, is a health food. Um, V8 Splash, orange, oh. strawberry flavor. Okay, this is a health food for me. Uh, it's got vitamin B and C. And, and, and then I think the added nutrient is the nine pounds of sugar uh, that's in <laughs> yes. it as well. Those are, that's the carbohydrates. Um, Those are the carbs. But, keep but hey, the, the antioxidants will keep me alive. Don't worry. The antioxidants will keep me alive. <laughs> so that's my, that's my drink today. Well, that's awesome. Uh, now, let, let me just introduce him. Rob, thanks for being on Cleveland Schwill. How are you? And what are you drinking? You're good. I have some wonderful eggnog to get into the holiday spirit right now. Woo! Ah, Man, I was with, not uh, expecting that. I love that. Oh, ah. nice. Uh, eggnog on Cleveland Schwill history. Eggnog. That is the first eggnog. Well, that is fun. great. Yeah. Uh, and I... <laughs> decided to go with a, another another sparkling water except i do have a different flavor this time dave's shaking his head he's shaking his head i don't get the bubbles it, i know you don't it's summer berry i don't even drink real water anymore i just drink carbonated water only just okay. drink water man what i wouldn't be alive bubbles for carbonated water <laughs> i swim <laughs> in carbonated water i refuse to swim in regular swimming pools it has to be carbonated. Oh, it's very serious that's dedication mm -hmm. that's good you're so, though it's good. Yeah, thanks. It's, it's doing I something my for him. I wash my face yeah. in it. As well. I mean, it's <laughs> doing something for him, isn't it, Rob? It's just making him look beautiful. It really, yeah. really 
<laughs> Quite the sparkle today. I've noticed. Yeah, that. thank you. I, I love I love sparkling. I wish the people could hear the sparkle coming off. My I, I, I can hear it actually. I was going to ask about that, but now I know. All right, sparkle. Yeah. Oh. Okay. The alarm, folks. Everything's fine. Well, Rob, again, thanks for being on uh, Cleveland Schwill. And, and you've been an actor for quite some time. And we yeah. really do want to talk about, first, uh, where'd you grow up? How'd you end up in the Cleveland area? And then kind of transition into when you found out you were interested in acting, even at a young age. Sure, sure. Um, so I grew up in Westlake, Ohio, um, and lived there most of my life. Um, I was there the whole time up until um, 96, and then I went down to work at Walt Disney World for about three years. So I went down there and did my thing down there. Cool. I worked at the, um, the Tower of Terror, and I was one of those crazy bellhops. That's um, one of my favorite rides there. Yeah, I awesome. love that. I, haven't, I don't even know if they still have it. I don't know if it's oh, still there. Do. Oh, they do. They do. Oh, they okay. Do. Um, okay. They definitely do. So that's that was going on. Um, that was a lot of fun. We had um, when I got to do that ride. Um, I really wanted to. I knew I was going to be working. It was called the Disney MGM Studios at the time, not like Disney's Hollywood Studios, but it was Disney MGM Studios at the time. And at the time, I really wanted to work the Great Movie Ride because it was so like I'm just a very upbeat type of person, and yeah. I thought that was perfect. And then I didn't get it, and then I got this Tower of Terror, and I was like, Oh my god, I do it because it just kind of seemed like. I perceived it as the people who worked there were kind of like in the haunted mansion. They were very low debt, whatever. Not just uh, creepy, creepy and down and maybe even uh -huh. creepy. That wasn't really my thing. Um, but we had a lot of license as far as the way that we could uh, play those characters. So it's very like 1930s, a lot of like, yes, sir, and madam, and all the, uh, uh, so glad you're staying with us, you know, whatever. So we were very proper, but I just took it to the other extreme and I made it very happy. So I was just very like eager to serve you and everything. And it was awesome because it just made people nervous in a completely different way. So it was fantastic. So that was really <laughs> um, nice. At that time, also, it ended up being the best place I ever could have possibly been because that was kind of like my 19, 20, 21 time. So you're, you know, you're out there, you're, you're partying it up and all that good stuff. Um, and most of the area at the Tower of Terror was very, it was very um, low lit, dark, whatever. There's one position, a greeter position that was outside in the hot Florida sun. Everything else was inside. So if you had a rough night, it was fine. And then your character was even better. So it was good. And so at that age, I'm sure you had plenty of rough nights when you were there in were your... plenty of rough nights. <laughs> it's different back then, though. You could have that rough night, and you're like, I'm going to go to sleep for 15 minutes, and I got to go work, and it's fine. You know, like, you could make oh, it Oh, yeah. Different right. these days a little yeah. bit. But, um, but I got to do that. Um, eventually, I became a trainer in the area, so I got to do that. Um, I also uh, auditioned for what was called Welcome Day. So that was like all new cast members who came to Walt Disney World had your first day or three days at um, a program called Traditions at the Magic Kingdom. And then they would go to their specific park. So then I was like the next facilitator for them. So I would tour them around the studios, um, show them, you know, with, this and that, the, the backstage experience for all new cast members. And then I also did some programs too at Epcot. Um, it was the, it was a program called the youth education series and schools would come on out. And again, we, we kind of tour them around. So I did one program that was at the land pavilion and then another one that was at the living seas. And we go and talk about my program was about the environment and everything. So I got to do that. And then, um, the last thing I got to do, um, not in the show, but running the theater, I was like the area trainer for 
the Hollywood Hills Amphitheater, which is where Fantasmic was being shown. So I trained all the new cast members coming through and how you ran that theater and, and all that good stuff. So it was oh, awesome. cool. So it was really, really fun. Yeah, that was cool. That was good. Oh, man. So, yeah. so that was like the early parts of, but I, I even remember, because I've actually known Rob for quite some time, so I'm going yes, to throw a curveball at him real quick here. But I even remember when we were growing up, you used to film your own movies. Uh, well, not when we were growing up, we were probably teenagers by that time, but I used to watch, you know, what you do them with your brother and stuff. And believe it or not, you had to do everything with a VHS cassette. And then you'd have to, I mean, it took a lot of time. You had to, then you had to edit it. Oh my God. Dude, Rob's movies were hysterical. Him and his brother (laughs) made the best movie. I mean, kids would come from all over the neighborhood. They'd be like, can I watch your movies, dude? (laughs) Rob was doing movies before, you know, he was doing movies. But I just wanted to bring that up because it was fun. That's awesome. No, that was a a huge start of it. Um, Yeah, that was uh, once my brother and I kind of... When, when we had actually before because in the beginning with those even those cameras like that though they were very expensive so in the beginning, oh, yeah. beginning we would go up to some like there was some video store nearby where you could rent one so you'd rent one for like the weekend or whatever and we'd that's be like, right like, I, yeah like if you're going to go on a trip people would rent them and stuff and yeah them. they were just too expensive so eventually um eventually i think kind of in like high school time or something like that we actually got one the prices had gone down and we got some like mini <sighs> mini VHS or something like that. It was like a little tape, but it's still kind of re- you put it in like an adapter to play it and everything. But yeah, um, running with that stuff. But yeah, we used to do like I don't know. We did like a lot of stuff that began with toys, like we did oh, Batman yeah. <laughs> figures and stuff like that. Oh yeah, um, we'd make like these like musical intros and stuff. We'd have them like that was pretty cool. And then we started moving on and actually like doing some filming um, with we. <laughs> sister into it um <laughs> she was probably like six or seven or whatever and it, it was it was pretty crazy but yeah we did we did a lot of that stuff we did a lot of that stuff i mean definitely um that was a big big deal um in high school i kind of got sidetracked a little bit with that that we i was definitely passionate about this what i wanted to do all that good stuff but i did get a little bit sidetracked with it because in high school um my dad passed away and everything so it just changed everything for a minute just changed yeah. everything you know, um, during the time too, actually the, the same year, it was like my grandparents, we were very close with my mom's parents. Um, they died as well. So it was kind of like my, my grandpa died three months later, my dad died three months later, my grandma died and it was just everything. So for a moment, I was just kind of shell shocked. I had no idea what I was going to be doing. Um, and that's especially probably- at that age too, Rob, like oh. that's, I mean, that's the most impressionable time you can be dealing with stuff like that. You're just not ready for it. high school's like stressful enough at that age, and then you got all that on top of it. So it was crazy. It's a, um, yeah. So that was that was it was just challenging. So I think probably that's part of even the reason why I did go down to Florida, just like to just change it on up and everything. Um, with that being said, I think seriously though that is probably one of the main reasons why I have the skill set that I do that because it was like a lot of that time too because like you're saying high school is so awkward um, and I didn't want anyone to know really what I was feeling at all so then I was just kind of yeah. like I'm an entertainer and I'm funny and I'm all you know and just mm-hmm. really like just distracted I didn't want to talk about it I didn't want whatever but um, that's that really kind of factored into it so um, when I was down in Florida there were a lot of opportunities to uh, 
perform per se. And originally I wanted to be characters down there and, you know, be one of the characters and all that kind of jazz. But I did find um, great friends and fulfillment doing what I was doing. So I stuck with that. And, um, and it really wasn't until probably like three, four years later, something like that, um, where I really kind of realized again um, that I should be acting, that I should be doing all this, all, yeah. all that kind of work and everything. It made sense. You know, it's, it's funny, too, because we every artist we talk to, everything yeah. oh, normally comes back to this pivotal moment where we're all using our art, no matter what it is, for some type of therapy, because we've all been through, like, had these horrible experiences and we use artist therapy whether it's like through acting or music yeah. or whatever and uh i just remember you know people see actors and like they're playing these happy characters and sometimes yeah. that is the last thing right. you want to be doing it is the yeah. hardest thing to do to go up in front of a whole group of people and and have a smile on your face when you've just had your heart ripped out of your body i i remember one time, and, I, and I'm going to only be a second, I, but I was doing community theater at this time, and it was uh, Christmas. I was doing Miracle on 34th Street, and I had this character I was playing who was just this really upbeat manager, and he's like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> and he was like, like that the whole time. My, I yeah. had, my mother had just died. I was coming, literally driving from the funeral, because you don't have an understudy in community theater. There's no understudy. <laughs> Joe, you've got to do the show. You've got four shows that whole weekend and I'm sitting there with a huge smile on my face and I had just gotten done bawling my eyes out for 15 minutes in my car before you know in front of a whole group of people just yeah. looking at you on stage which is like everyone's number one fear it doesn't bother me anymore but the first time you do it you're like uh. a lot so, a lot yeah oh yeah it was a ton it was a ton it was really stressful so it's not always like uh as easy as people think it is to do these things in front of people. Right. And I know you've had to do that too, Dave, as a musician, you've had to play in front of people when you don't want to. So, yeah. Yeah. We talk about it all the time. If you, if you, if you're anything in the entertainment business, you know, I think what people don't understand about entertainers is any, anything that you have to do for money at some point becomes a, a chore. Yeah. And, and, and that, and so you do put yourself in these positions where you might just have a nasty fight with whoever you're with. You might have, you know, like something happened to your kid, this and that. And like you said, in, in a matter of five minutes, you have to slap it on and, right. and make everybody at a wedding have a good time. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, it's like, yeah. and, it's, and it's like, and you have to, and in, in, in fairness to them, they just paid you thousands of dollars to do it. You know <laughs> what I mean? So it's not like you can really be like, give me a minute, okay? <laughs> No, it, it, you do. And Rob, we're doing those live events. I'm sure you uh, feel, you know, there's there's probably days where you're not wanting to put the smile on and you've got to do it, but it, it is what it is, you know. It's, yeah. there, there definitely are moments there. I mean, I, I, as recently as the last couple of years, you know, when we had all the pandemic stuff going on and everything too, some of those days, it was like you're, 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 you're going on out there to do it and everything and you're thinking to yourself, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't know how I'm going to put what I'm feeling right now to pull myself up to that because no one's coming to see that. They're not coming to see this. <laughs> I know. Yeah. No, you know, hey, no. Rob, can I ask you though, do you feel like sometimes, cause I've felt this a few times for myself, but like, do you feel like sometimes when something really emotional hits you like that, you get put in one of those positions that sometimes those emotions, you can turn them into something else and really perform. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's a fuel. Too. You, you, you learn to yeah, use it as yes. fuel. 
it's yeah. almost like a fuel and you're just like, I'm going to let this out on that stage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it can't, you know, and it can't, once you go, you, you know, you do, I mean, I certainly bet times I'm sitting there backstage and it's just, I'll take like three breaths, you know? And it's like, all right, all right, here we go. And you just do it. Now, once you get there, even if it's a, a, a live event going on, um, you're always going to have the audience feedback starting. So then, you know, that, that can be healing for you as well. So you get that going on. Or when you're on set, you're filming something, a, um, uh, a series, a movie, whatever it is, you do have the feedback of, of those around you um, who are filming, who are on the crew and all that good stuff too. So it can be a nice escape. Um, and as Brian had said, very therapeutic. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I've actually felt that too, where you go into the show feeling terrible and actually come out feeling a lot better than you went yeah. in. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, it's almost it's almost like uh, you know, like I feel when I go into exercise in the gym. You know, sometimes it's just like it releases these endorphins, and you just you're ready to yeah, go afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. What made you decide to finally take that step and audition for an actual movie? Like when when were you sitting there thinking, like you know what, I've done this other stuff, I'm ready, or did it just kind of come upon you? Did it just spring upon you? What 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 ended up happening? Sure. Um, after coming back from Walt Disney World, about a year or two after that, um, I saw an audition for um, the job of a local personality for Radio Disney. So to go out and host events and be out in the community and all this good stuff. There were some on-air pieces to it as well. So I went and I got and I got that job and it was great and it was awesome. And that was really, really fun. It was a very easy step from what I had just seen down in the parks to just bring that here to Cleveland. So I was doing that. And part of that role, um, I, it was one of those jobs where you did everything. <laughs> everything. So it's like <laughs> perform and pack and schedule the people and do whatever. And then you know, I also had a sales budget on top of it. So, oh, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a lot going on. Um, I literally, I did more, um, more, more roles than anyone in that office. It just kept going. I was like, I'm fine. This is great. It's fun. It's great. <laughs> so, but anyway... Um, we were doing this, uh, a promotion coming up in the summer. It was called like Radio Disney. It was like after the American Idol stuff had become big. It was like our like spin on it. So it was something like Radio Disney's pop star or something like that. And we were looking for sponsors for it. So um, I went and I, and I reached out to the different talent agencies that I wanted to see, like maybe that was something they want to sponsor. So I went to um, one of the local agencies in Cleveland and um, went to go talk to the owner about um, possibly sponsoring this thing. And in the meeting, as the thing was done, he, he was just kind of like, you know, I, we don't probably don't have the money to be doing something like this, but have you ever thought about acting or what? And I was like, well, well no, he's like, well, you really got a great look, whatever, all this stuff. So yeah. I, I was very skeptical because I'm like, mm, are you just trying to pull me into this? What's going on? <laughs> so I, I looked, you know, I'm like, oh, like, well, thank if you. you got two thousand dollars, we'll get you some headshots. Right. Yeah, and that's, get you exactly. and that's what I was waiting for. And that's what I was waiting for because I'd heard about so many things like that. Yeah. So I looked into them, and it's it ended up being being fine and legit and everything. Um, waiting for that for six months for that moment when they're like, we've got a school you can take or get these pictures, yeah. but it never happened. Like it was legit. Yeah. So. Um, so suddenly I was doing that. So suddenly like I got these, like I got headshots taken care of whatever. And I started doing it and I just started booking things. Like it was great. I was getting a lot of like voiceover work. I was getting a lot of, um, commercial auditions. I was booking a lot of commercials. Um, in the Cleveland area, we do a lot of industrial training films as well. So that's like, 
when, when Sherwin-Williams wants to create a training film, they hire these actors to, to, to go through and, um, and talk about the, the procedures and policies of the company sort of thing, you know, which I was very comfortable with from doing all the training stuff that I did at, at Disney World. So kind of went in that way. Going into it, I certainly thought, you know, I wanted to do television and film and, what, and all that good stuff. Um, they didn't do that as much. So then I started seeking out. So I got a lot of commercial stuff, a lot of commercial stuff going on. But I started looking into um, uh, different projects that were going on in the area and all that good stuff. So I came across this Craigslist um, ad um, about looking for this uh, Stifler type character for this American Pie meets, um, what do they say, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So it's a normal thing. What a great with description. A, with, a, with, just a, with, a, with a hint of Harry Met Sally. No, but yeah. uh, <laughs> we're looking for Stifler. You're like, yeah, right, yeah, 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 great. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so I went out to the audition for that. And the situation was um, the script had been written. They had this, um, their main character, this character of JJ, who is a Stifler type character. He's a fraternity president. And they had been working with this guy. And they all had a falling out and this guy was gone and they were about to start filming. So I'm like, well, all right. So I did this thing and it just worked. It just, it went well. And they offered me the role and it was awesome. And I jumped on in and away I went. Um, I absolutely knew when I was doing this thing um, and they were talking at the beginning, I'm like, you know, it's, we're hoping to get it on Netflix or whatever. And I had no idea how this whole situation worked. You know, I had no, like, okay. That's yeah. great. You know, that's just, this is normal. This is what yeah. it is. You're like, that's not really my area of expertise. Wherever you guys take it, that's great. I mean, I'm just having it's fun. Life. You know, it's life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you like me? That's fine. Then I'll do it. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. So, um, but all that was being said and everything. So it's just like, okay, I guess this is how it is. So, but I absolutely knew when I read that script, when I was going through and it, it was, there were some pieces that were a little bit rough and whatever and everything, but I, I knew um, I knew what that role was that I could certainly do that. Um, so much of that was certainly seeing like the different like jock types at school and all that kind of stuff. And just people who, who weren't the best people. I could do that because I've been treated that way before. So I, I could do that myself. I know. I'm one of the nicest guys in the world. I know. That, that guy's a jerk, this role, you know, like a jerk. But I could do it because I've had it done to me, you know. Like, Rob, you know, do you remember? Because I've I dealt with this actually one time. I had to play a guy who was a serial killer, mm-hmm. and he was literally shoving a woman in the trunk and punching her in the head. Right, and I was like, I don't want to do this scene. Like, yeah. I don't even feel comfortable doing this scene right now. Okay, yeah. and they and they we ended up having to go through these drills just to get me in the mindset of like, I wasn't even punching anybody, you know, yeah. and you have to do that sometimes as an actor. You, it, it, it's, it, you, you don't want to get yourself into that place where, you know, overcomes you, but uh, you, you do have to put yourself in a different mental state. Sometimes I would do it. Like, I would do it, Brian. I would punch people for real. Yeah. No, you don't want to do if it. If you, if I someone had paid a, me $5, I, $5 dollars, I would punch it for real. <laughs> well, so, sometimes it depends on the person, but, <laughs> but, but, I had this one film that I did this one time and there was a scene, it was a scene where I had to, it was like, it was kind of a twist that I was actually the bad guy, but I was like the killer and kind of, it was kind of like a serial killer thing. So most of us playing this really nice guy, but there was a scene that we had to shoot from the beginning of it where they had me in these black gloves and they wanted me to be like choking out this female, like doing this yeah. thing. 
And I'm like doing the thing. And she's like, like, make it more real, make whatever. I'm like, I'm really doing this hard. Like, it was just like, I don't want to hurt this person. I want whatever. And it literally was too, I can do it now. This is one of the first ones I was doing. But then it was too much to be looking at my hands, causing that pain. That's what it was, just what it was. So I ended up, and they had like the cameraman came in. We used his hands to do this thing because it was just oh. too much. It was too much. Yeah. Um, since then, I could do whatever. This was definitely an indie thing that we were doing. We probably would have had more extensive training doing something like that. But it was this whole like, I was doing it. I was putting that effort in. But it was like, you could see like, I mean, her her face was kind of changing. You know, that kind of stuff. I'm just like, I, I can't. It was just, I didn't want it. I didn't want it in my head. You know, I didn't. You know, I get it. I get it. No, um, it, you, memory you it, don't people don't have. understand that till they're actually there. I'm it's, telling you, like it's because you, you you're getting you yourself really cool. close to stuff that you. Yeah, I mean, I was doing some stuff in some of these movies. I was like, you okay? I, I I'm I'm on the fence now. I, I might be partially crazy <laughs> if I if I go through with this. You know right? what though? Um, you know my my weird thing has always been. I've always wanted to be the one being murdered. Okay. Like that, oh. I, I don't know. I don't know why that's always been appealing to me to be the guy being murdered. Hey, you're not me. alone. People <laughs> love to die. On film. They all want to see how they're going to die. I don't like it. Film. I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like being murdered. On film. I don't like it. <laughs> so, so if you had the option of being the murderer or the murderee, you would choose the murderer. hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. All right. Fair, fair enough. Like it's it. a personality hey, type, man. We're getting to the we're getting to the real brass tacks now. We got, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've got the yeah. real questions coming out now. Yeah. Um, okay. So let, let's get back to Hell Week, though, Rob. Yeah. So you uh, you're doing this movie Hell Week. They're yeah. talking to you like, hey, we're we're thinking maybe we'll get this on Netflix and all this yeah. stuff. No. Yeah. So. Did you do anything more before you saw that movie premiere or did you get the chance? Was that the first time you ever saw yourself up on, on the screen after that movie? It, the process went that it, so it, it still is a wild, wild movie in that it was so, it literally, it, it had a budget of like $5,000. I did not get paid for it. It was yeah. like, yeah. you know, and it was like, it was like, welcome really to Cleveland was, acting. 101. Yeah, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> we got, we got Welcome to Cleveland, anything. <laughs> we got, we got to get the four down Pizza Friday. No, yeah, pizza, yeah. Pizza but, like, for... it wasn't that. But this thing, it went on for. It at least was filming for three years, at least, at least. So we did the major stuff. We did like these like fraternity scenes at like um, Kent State University. We were down there. We were in this frat house. We were filming all stuff like that. Stuff was great. Then we were filming these scary scenes in this like this warehouse um, over on uh, Train Avenue in Cleveland, like the spooky warehouse that place where we were staying warm. Literally, like it was <laughs> so we were like literally staying warm with freaking barrels with wood in it inside. Like, yeah, yeah, this could be a great movie. This could be a great movie. Yeah. But who cared? I'm starring in a movie. I don't care. Like, it's yeah. whatever. It's great. It's great. So it went on and then it wasn't long enough. So then we had to go back and do more. And then we filmed more and added more scenes and whatever. So finally this thing, whatever. And it literally, it, it like, it went for a moment, like it finished on up. It went through like three, four, five different editors. There were moments where I was like involved in that editing process too. And like going on out and trying to help whatever. Cause I just wanted it done. Like I was, I believed in it so much, you know? And so it, Again, not getting paid for any of this, making this my life, my life. I'm just, I'm an editor now. 
And I'm editing a movie. So, and how difficult is on. that, Rob? We got to tell people just real quick. I want to know. I want them to know how hard it is to shoot over three years. Rob basically had to remember his haircut. Remember the clothes he was wearing. My bleach blonde oh, yeah. haircut yeah. that had to remain for about three <laughs> years. Oh, man. Three that is so years. funny. Dude, I people don't about their stuff's going out of style. You're still wearing the clothes. You still got the shirt. They don't. That's you so got to keep about the My same bleach face, blonde same facial bag, a hole haircut that I had to live in public with for three years. <laughs> That's so ahead. long. That's so I'm long. Go ahead, Brian. Continue. <laughs> yeah, continuity is a bitch. Just oh, so everybody yeah. knows, yeah. it is crazy. So, okay. um, but yeah, just went through and everything. So it was just like you know. But, but again, I believed it. I thought like if people saw it, like this is a big deal, you know. And again, like I don't know how it all worked and how the industry worked and everything. Like, oh, we get here's my big break. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> So it went on and it went on and went on and it got to a point, I think one of the editors with the director and everything, it just, they had a falling out and it literally kind of got to the point, like, I'm just like, okay, this isn't happening. And then suddenly some six months, eight months later, whatever, it's like, it's done and it's picked up and it's going to be available on Netflix. So this is when Netflix wasn't necessarily that site. It was more so Netflix was when you would order the movie would get sent to you. Yeah. Remember that back in the day? Yeah, like did they did they have a small streaming service though? I think I remember a time where they had maybe like when it was some movie yeah, streaming. It yeah, it yeah. was small, and when it, it yeah. and then it started going on in there. So it started out there, and then it ended up it was actually on that service as well. Which so it was like okay, like it's crazy. So out the gate, my like I knew it was I, I my experience was this is a lot of hard work. This takes a long time to do all that. This whatever, mm -hmm. but. It gets picked up and that's how this works. You know, so it's like right out the gate, it's up, it's in front of people, it's whatever. So it's like, okay, this is just how it is. So that was really, really cool. And then it, you know, it was, it ended up, it was available in um in Walmart, which is that's like it was just it's real. You could go up to this, you know, go up to your local Walmart and it was there. That was insane. That was insane. You know, so oh, that's yeah. great too. So so cool. and, and I'm sure the first time you went in there. And because you had such a big part in that movie too, it's yeah. not like you were just like an extra, a small supporting role. You, yeah. you were main character, so it that's went, really it, it cool. Like, that was that was amazing, and it was like an, um, some of the different boxes that had come out over the years. Like I definitely like my face was on the back and everything like that. Like that was just so that was so cool. Now, so, did that one uh, play any um, festivals or anything that you ever attended? Uh, no, really, it just went. It just went. It just went for it. Um, so that was with a company called Fright Tech Pictures. Um, the director and, and owner of that, his name is, is Eddie Lingell. And um, he's never really, he really, this man from that one to everyone he's ever done, they get picked up. They get picked up. They're in the store. They're on streaming or whatever. Um, other filmmakers will go about more along the lines of like they make their creation and then they'll send it through the festival circuit. And they're trying to get the different awards and recognition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. Um, he just, he never did it that way. So he just, from the get go, from this first movie, um, it, it was picked up. So everything afterwards was picked up. It just goes on out. So if you're doing a project, which, which I'm wondering if that's even a better recognition than trying to go through the film service. I think it circuit is. And getting the little thing saying, you know, oh, it played at Toronto. Oh, it played at Cleveland International. Oh, it played in San Diego. And you, if you're picked up once, people are going to be like, well, he made something that made some money. 
you know, let's do it. And you have a relationship with them. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. You know, and, and some for some filmmakers, if it's not like if they're making a short and they're making whatever, as an actor, if you are on a project and your work gets out there in that way that you could, that at least you know it's being seen sort of thing, um, it feels good. But a lot of time, so much effort is put into all of that, that like at the end of the day, um, nothing really ever comes with it. Yes, it was around in all these different festivals and that, but like, unless, I don't know, film festivals, for films that I've been in, if, if I get to, if I can go see it and be sitting in a theater with people around me and experiencing that, like, that's awesome. But it, for me at least, and maybe that's just because how my, my career started, for me at least, cool, This it, the project goes out and you get all these awards and everything, and that's nice, but like, it's just, it is. It's just this little simple saying you got this thing, it's whatever, like, what is that really? Yeah, mean? they're both like, very different experiences. I think I know what you're saying, like, for me, when mine played film festivals, a lot of times, especially back in the early 2000s, we, we did a movie. It was one of the first to play at San Diego Comic-Con. So just for them to fly me out there, I put, you know, I'm at San Diego Comic-Con. Yeah. It, that was really before it was, it was a pop culture fest, but all the big stars weren't going there yet. You know, right. we were just, they were just playing smaller films. And, but it was for me, it was like a vacation. So that end was nice. You know, then you did a little panel, you question. But from a career standpoint, I think for you, you're getting, you know, notoriety on IMDB because right. it's already being it's in or it's been produced, it's being sold, and right. you put that on your film reel. You've got right. a bunch of, I mean, from a career standpoint, I think from that end, it's much better. Than doing a film, you know, this the circuit where, yeah, I'm gonna enjoy this. Oh, yeah, I'm in Canada now. Oh, I'm in California. But that doesn't, you know, at the end of the day, when I want to make more movies, that doesn't do it like it does with, with the and when, and when I want to make more money doing it too. So if it's just something like that's going on, you know, it very quickly, very so that one again, I wasn't and I wasn't, I don't know. Maybe at this point, maybe I should have gotten a little bit of money for that, maybe, but like I, I didn't. And there were other things that I did, like a couple where I was kind of doing it and it wasn't, it still was kind of this, well, let me just get myself out there or whatever. But then you come to a point and you're like, this takes a lot of time, not just filming, memorizing, pulling stuff together, what's going on, it becomes your life. When you're doing these things we're talking about, like we're joking about keeping your hair this color, doing whatever, it's this huge commitment. So it is. Oh, it really is. Yeah, I need to start making some money to but whatever, because there's costs involved. There's costs on my end as an actor to go on out to do this too. You know, it's not just, so it, it just, I think, I think I am fortunate because again, that this thing got picked up and that was my perception of how this works. So I was just like, this is possible. It wasn't like this dream. It was whatever, right off the bat. That's okay, cool. I know. And you know, for your first movie, that's huge. You don't hear that a crazy. lot. It's crazy. And I didn't you talk to, you talk to local years. actors. They're like, well, you know, in college, I did a few things with some people in my film class. And that's where I got my first movie. You don't hear. Yeah, I did one and it went right to Netflix and we got a DVD distribution deal and it was in Walmart. I mean, right. that's awesome, Rob. I'm yeah. so, I'm so yeah. happy that happens for you. That yeah. was great. Congrats. That's so cool. I think it really did. It, it 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 really did change things. It really did change things. So, but it was cool. Um, Hell Week is most definitely. It's like there's like B film, there's C film, <laughs> there's, there's a couple. It's a little large, but it's a, big, big, it's a big, big over the top movie. This character I got to play is he did stand out. He did this. He did whatever. So it was so cool. Um, another thing that was so cool seeing reviews in the beginning. So that was so good. Like, oh my God. 
crazy. So many, many people will be like, oh, this, this movie's a, a pile of garbage, but I really like that JJ guy. He did a good job. I'm like, all right, that's a full review. Thank you. Yeah. So, um, so it was, it was, um, the, it was cool. It was cool. I mean, what a crazy experience, what a crazy experience to have all the success from it and, and all that good stuff. But that's, I mean, that was, again, it's just like, all right, I guess this is how it works. You know, so it's like, all right, that's, <laughs> that's what happens every time, every time. Oh my Certainly God. That does not happen every time, but yes, many, many, many of the have. So, well, cool. what did you find? So after you have this movie out, what, did you network within that movie to get your next movie or did you just use some of that footage to like, uh, or did you just look for another audition? Like, how did you network with that? You know, initially before, before it was ever released, because I was putting so much time on like the backside of what was going on um, for a moment, it kind of bittered me for a moment. Cause I'm like, oh. how take this much work house, whatever. So for the next like few years, I focused much more on um, work through my agency. So back to commercials and television commercials and uh, public service announcements and all that good stuff. Yeah. Um, I was still working for um, Radio Disney at the time. So I was still a local personality. I was doing like a radio show, uh, all that kind of stuff. So more was in that realm. Um, and then, you know, I take that back. There's a movie I did right out the gate. There's a movie I did right out the gate. Um, that was that thriller one where I was talking about using, having to choke someone out <laughs> Oh yeah, in the movie, in the movie, not in real life. Um, so I did that and that actually, you know, this is, this is actually where there was a moment I was, I kind of stopped for a second. We did this movie. Um, it was a great movie. Um, but something happened. The woman, it was a woman who was putting it together. It was really, really nice, really good experience. I do not think I was paid for that one either, but, um, but it was good and it didn't take that long or whatever. I got a nice starring role, but then the woman who was the director, she worked for one of the television stations and she ended up moving and it kind of like the movie kind of got sidetracked and didn't get completed completely. And at the end of the day, the runtime was not long enough to call it a feature. So, mm. it didn't go anywhere. so it didn't go anywhere. So we got this thing and I got a copy of it and everything. It was, really it was probably good. too long to be a short too. It's too long to and be it was too long, to not be long enough to be a, a, a feature. She put it, she did put it in festivals. It won like best of the fest wherever it was, somewhere in New York. It won whatever. Like it really was good. But like, I don't remember what it was even called. What with the uh it wasn't a short, it wasn't a few, but but then it was like this thing, and that's the one where I was just like, because you put so much time, it was certainly was not three years, it was over the course of like a summer or whatever, but again, you're doing all this stuff. And that one was like the eye opener where it's like, okay, this doesn't always work out that way. You know, it was great. I got a copy of it. It was great to see. It was, it was awesome. But that one was a little bit different. So that's the one that stopped me for a moment. So then it was years later with film where I got back in touch with um, the director of Hell Week with Eddie again. Um, one of my buddies um, was also going to be in this new movie that was coming out called The Curse or called American Poltergeist. The Curse of Lilith Ratchet. So he was already in it and he brought it up that Eddie was interested to have me in this sort of thing. And so I talked to Eddie and it all made sense. And it was like this character, he was Hunter Perry and he was like a, a paranormal podcast host. So I'm like, all right, like I could, that's easy. You know, because it's yeah. like, like a radio show, whatever. It's like, all right, let, that stuff would be cool. You're there playing you. When there, were, <laughs> there were moments in the, in the movie where um, I was like, so the, the premise of the Curse of the Little Ratchet was there was this 
<laughs> there's this um, totally normal stuff. All right, so this is what it was. <laughs> found this shrunken head. We found this shrunken head that was in this box. And in the shrunken head box was this little rhyme or poem or something like that. That's something like um, Lilith Ratchet took a hatchet, gave her lover a head in a basket, play the game, call her name, one by one, feel her pain. So, of course, you got to play the game then. So, literally, what it was was a very dangerous version of musical chairs that we had to. Do you guys have something you wanted to show me or? Oh, yeah. Um, we actually found this at an estate sale today. We thought you might be interested. You found a shrunken head at an estate sale. Lilith Ratchet took a hatchet and granted her lover a head in a basket. Just play the game and call her name and one by one, you'll feel her pain. footage from the other night and I think I caught something on camera. What are you talking about? What did you see? So we didn't say, well, whatever. So, if, so, so we staged, so this character Hunter staged this, um, this radio event at the school where he was going to be hosting this, this, we're going to actually play the game and we'll see what happens. And so, sure enough, it summons her and then people start dying. So, but with that, it was, again, it was like this live event hosting things, whatever. I'm like, okay, this is like what I do. Like, this is just what I do in life. And, and Rob, I want to interject too, because if you watch the uh, trailer, which yeah. you can, you can watch on YouTube. You can yeah. watch the trailer pretty much anywhere. Yeah. Uh, there's a scene where I see them taking this shrunken head and they're tossing it to each other yep. back and forth. They're throwing this head around, <laughs> like basically like hot potato style. I'm like, oh, man. Okay. No wonder she's pissed. <laughs> okay, here she comes. No wonder she's pissed. She got, pissed. got real pissed. Real pissed. Yeah, she got um, real pissed. Real pissed. Um. So, uh, and the character, what they did with, with the character in Lil's Ratchet, it was, it was uh, played by uh, Chrissy Caleric. And it was this whole, like, um, she had these long, long fingernails. She had, like, this, like, Victorian, black Victorian gown. They had these teeth. She had these eyes in. She had her hair kind of up in, like, a, like a um, I don't know, up in all these, like, buns or whatever. It was just, just very, very, they looked great. Very menacing, very scary, very creepy, all that good stuff. So she was fantastic. Um, great actors in it. Um, everybody got along really well. That, that's an important part with this too, with that. Same with what Hell Week. It's like we got, we all got along so well offset that it comes across on screen. So even yeah. when yeah. AJ's being a jerk, it, there's still an air of fun to it. Like it's like because we all got along so well. Same yeah. thing with this one. So with the American Poltergeist, The Curse of Little Ratchet, everybody got along well. Um, 
some of the people were, were my friends from other uh, points in life, some people, whatever. So it was just a great group. And, um, and that one did well too. So that, well, and one, that's huge too, because yeah. it, you get people that you can't get along with on set. You're going to talk it's about miserable awful. days. It's all miserable awful. days. Awful. It means so much. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and you know what else? I actually learned an interesting fact about that movie that maybe you don't even know, Rob. So I, the person who composed the score for yep. The Curse of Lilith Ratchet yep. was a guy named Timothy Smith. And yep. he was the keyboardist in a band called, it was a goth band. And this was for years. It was, yep. they, they were a vampire band. Dave, do you know who they might be? No. You want to take a guess? Lestat. Did you ever hear of Lestat? No, I don't think I have. A yeah, vampire band. I see, I've. Yeah, I've never really gotten into the goth stuff at yeah, all. Yeah, I remember people back in the 90s. He, he was he was the keyboardist for them from like 93 to like Oh I don't yeah, know, that's the one. That's the one genre I never really dude. got He's into. He's such a good dude. Oh, he's did you so get to, talented. Did you meet him? I didn't know if you met yeah, him. Yeah, no, he's he's like he's so humble. So anytime I would see him and stuff like that, I mean he would just build me up. You know, he's just like, you are a star and you are this, you know, it's just like you he just he like after scoring it and everything, it's like because they're, they're watching us so much. So he's scoring the movies, watching this thing again and again and again. So he almost got a connection with me before I even met him, just from watching this footage again. And Interesting. Again. Okay. So, so then by that time, he's just like, he's like your number one fan. So you he like, he's like, he's such a nice guy. Um, the movie, the, the music that he did in that movie, it's awesome. It's so, it's so like atmospheric and it's just got this different vibe and everything to it. It's that guy's so talented. He's a great guy. And I, I can't wait to work with him again. He's awesome. Tim's such oh, a good that, guy. that's really cool. I, I, yeah, I wasn't sure. You know, a lot of times you, you finish filming these things, you don't know who's doing what with music, right? So it's interesting that you got to meet him, and that's yeah. uh, well, that's a cool so little cool. added uh, little feature of, of the movie that I, I found online when I was looking it up. Uh, and that one too, uh, that ended up in Walmart. That ended up in Walmart as well. Um, that was so cool again. Um, it came out, that was so fun. I went to my, <laughs> went by myself to Walmart and it was when Walmart, um, a local one, it was open like 24 hours a day. And there was this time this thing was coming on out and I went in, it was probably like two o'clock in the morning and I walk into Walmart and I go in there and I find it on the shelf. It was like, ah! like it's, it's so, that is so cool. Cause it makes it so legit at that moment. You know, yeah, it's not yeah. talk about whatever. It's like you could pick this thing up, hold this thing like that is so stinking cool. It was in Walmart. Um, it was also released uh, in family videos. There were like a certain amount that were still around at that time. This is kind of like 2015, 16. There were a bunch of family videos that were around in the country as well. So um, many of the family videos had like a standee of little Thratchit in their store. Plus the movie was there. Like that was so cool. Um, yeah, that was awesome. But like, so I'm in, I'm in Walmart at night. It's like two o'clock in the morning and I have my, <laughs> my, my iPhone with me. I'm trying to stage these pictures as, as if, again, it was just me. So I'm like, I'm like propping the camera up on like the shelves and I'm trying to like do all these different pictures and the people look at me and I'm sure one employee came over at some point and they're like, I don't know, can I help you? I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm in this movie, look. And I think I was on the back of the box again. Like, it was cool. It, it, it's two o'clock in the morning too. They're like, Did "Sure I, you are, sir." I know. Yeah, exactly. uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, yeah. now pull your pants up. You're not allowed to masturbate in this aisle. Now, just go ahead. Uh, but it but, was such a big deal. I thought it was appropriate, but apparently not. 
So, <laughs> Wait, can I, I, you know what? I just have I just have to say this because it is uh, I have an anecdote about this too because I've I've been lucky enough to get to sing on some of the American Greetings cards that they sell That's at Walmart. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> and so and so and and just like what you're saying right now, the first time I ever found one of my cards on the shelf at a Walmart, and it is cool because like you're saying, I think what's cool about it being Walmart is you know that I'm in this Walmart. But the Walmart in Texas and California has it too. That's you know what, what I mean? And so, wild. so you're like that. That's what it is. But I found myself standing there next to the card, like wanting to tell the people that are just random know, people walking by. You know what I mean? You're just I like, oh, aren't you gonna look at this card? How about this card? You're, you're not gonna look at this card. Hey, 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 I, right, right, on right. it. You know what I mean? It's like you're just so excited it's in that so moment. Cool. You know, it's at so <laughs> two o'clock in the morning. Rob's running down the aisles like, what movie's in your cart? That's the wrong movie. You want this movie in your cart. Are, you are you looking for horror? Are you looking for horror? What type of movies are you guys putting in your cart? You should tell the wrong types of movies. Maybe one here. other thing happened as well. I also went, because it was like somewhere, maybe it was on like the bottom shelf or something like that. I'm like, mm-mm-mm. So I look around <laughs> and I removed some of like the new releases that were out and put those, put those American Vulture <laughs> guys' curse of a little ratchet right there at eye level. You know, that good heart. Yeah. Edith Ratchet but, um, here, Taste of Benjamin Button starring Brad Pitt, bottom shelf. Let's not go. anymore. Here we go. <laughs> no again. Yeah, yeah. That was cool, though. That was cool. And then I'd have, like, people, friends across the country. They're like, oh, it was in Walmart. Look what I got. They're taking pictures. And there's, that was so cool. It is. And just like you said, Dave, just like you said, that's the thing right there. Because you know it's not just – like, that. it's surreal already to go up to a neighborhood store and it's there – but knowing like the scope of what that store and how many stores there are and all that stuff, that was ins- it was insane. And then this one additionally released worldwide. So there was a German version. There was whatever. I even got to see like copy of it where I was like dubbed over in German. That was insane. Oh my That's God. Cool. I would insane. Something like That's that, really Rob. Cool. Oh shit. Insane. <laughs> and the guy... Whoever this person was, like, I want to meet, I don't even, I don't know, I don't even know his name anymore, but like at the time, like, I want to meet this person. Because he kind of sounded like me, but it was German. <laughs> and it really was. It really was. And I'm German as well, but he was speaking, he was speaking German. But like it really, like, it was, it really was dubbed well. It did look, it wasn't like a Godzilla movie. Like he really was <laughs> crazy. So to see that. That was insane. It was like in the Netherlands and it was in Germany and it was whatever. So this one became this like international one. It was all over the place. Um, that was really cool. That you know what's really weird, cool. Rob? We've had other people on. So we had a, 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 a author on. Her name's DM Pulley and she sold thousands upon thousands of books and she's a yeah. bestseller author. Yeah. But she's from Cleveland and we kind of talked to her and she's like, I don't know what it is. But the German people just love our stuff and they love hearing yeah. about Cleveland and all this yeah. other stuff. And I'm sitting there like, is, is Germany basically the Cleveland of Europe? What, what yeah, is Yeah, right, what, exactly. Do exactly. I need to get over there? What's dude, going you on? Know, over you there? know, if they are if they're completely embracing David Hasselhoff, you like, you know, it's like, I mean, in the in the in the end. They're right. just that they're still throwing this guy on a stage and selling out arenas with this guy over there. <laughs> and he's just had a speedo Crazy. on 30. So years different. Ago. Yep. Yeah. No, this is, it's, it's great to hear this stuff. So when I keep, keep hearing about Germany though, which is so cool, I'm glad that. Yeah. that oh, and I, I did it. Uh, yeah. It was another episode I did for a different podcast, but it, Germany came up too, because there was a show that I used to love and it was called beyond belief fact or fate. 
and they stopped making them 20 years ago. Picked back up in Germany. They're making the episodes over there now. I'm like, what is going on with the Germans? Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. it's I've never, I've never been there. I'd like to get through the next like three years, but uh, yeah, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> that was cool. that was really really cool. So, so. You, you did the Curse of Lilith Ratchet. Now that rep you said around 2016. Yeah, 20 something like that. 2015, 20 pandemic years throws everything off whenever I'm talking about it anymore because it's like two years. It was six years. It was whatever. I don't know. Um, yeah, 2000, I, I believe 2015, 16, something like that is when it came out. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and actually, I think I want to also state that some of these movies we're talking about can still be seen on Tubi and their, can, yeah. their yes. trailers can be seen on YouTube. If you guys want to check them out. And I'm sure yeah. you, if you end up wanting to support some, uh, Cleveland art, you know, you can buy these movies. Um, yeah. I'm sure. So, yep. Yep. You can find um you can definitely find them on Amazon. Um, Tubi is definitely a great place. Um, the American per- Poltergeist: The Curse of Little Ratchet is available on the um, Redbox website. I know as well. Um, and there's Ooh. some other services as well. It just uh, you can just search in Google. You'll find it. It's it's all over the place. Both, yeah, if you guys want to see the curse of you want to see Rob and his true uh uh <laughs> fraternity days. Yes, go check out Hell Week. Yes. Uh, Yes, but uh, so so from there, uh, Rob. Between that and then when the pandemic hit, I think I want to talk about the pandemic separately because for artists it was different for all of us. It was what was happening. Did you do anything serious between that point in twenty twenty? Not really. That's a terrible year. That's a terrible year. Um, oh, between excuse me, between fifteen to to pandemic before pandemic. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Um, hold on. Wait, no, everything was great then. <laughs> yeah, life oh. was good. Confetti coming right, from right. the ceiling. Boom! We're booming. Right, 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 right. Um, right at the gate after American Poltergeist and Curse of Lilith Ratchet, there was a film that was supposed to be in. Um, uh, it was called The Legend of Gore Orphanage. Big, it, it was like a big budget one. This thing was great. It was local, but there was all this funding. And I went out and I had this, and I um, someone saw the curse of Lilith Ratchet and thought I'd be great for this thing. So immediately without even having to audition, he put me in this film and yeah. um, we went on out and there was a day of shooting. I was there on the second day of shooting. It was literally over um, Gore Orphanage is kind of a, like a localized legend um, in Northeast Ohio. Uh, but we were, where was that at? Uh, Vermilion area in Ohio. We were over by there. We were on the site where this thing was being filmed, this big production. It was like, they had like police cruisers and all this stuff. And it was whatever. It was like this crime scene moment that we were filming. So we did this whole thing, had this great day. It was awesome. And I was so excited. And then the next day production was paused and then it was paused for a month, uh, a couple of weeks Then it was paused for a month. And then it came out that the person who was funding it didn't really have the money. So, so for a while, I tried to track down the money. Um, hold on a second there. Can you guys hear me still? Oh, yeah. No, yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Okay. So for a minute, like, and, 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 and Curse of Old Ratchet, you know, I, I was, anymore if we're doing this, I'm getting paid at this point, too. So I was supposed to be paid, whatever. And I was starting to track down the money. Like, it, it, it nothing so that was like yeah, because you guys for the, you can do a few movies for free but if you guys want to say anything about what rob's saying i'm going to tell you the the shooting schedules for these things every almost everything's off hours it's at night or it is super yeah. late at night or 
then you're doing the same scene five, six, seven times. Then all of a sudden, you know, a plane flies over. So you're back in a recording studio doing ADR later. Uh, right. It, it right. never ends. The, the hours never end on these things. There's always something to be done. And it's more grueling than anybody recognizes. And then you're still trying to do work on top of it. You're on top. So, right. And it's literally yeah. for exposure. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and, and that's the thing, man. It's or like the passion of the project, Dave. It's just, it's well, like that's the thing. You... Sitting down, you know, and, and wanting to jam out with other musicians, but it turns into like, oh, we're doing it seven days a week and you got to be up till one o'clock in the morning and go to your regular job. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's for the passion of a project, but that passion can dry up real quick when uh, everybody's irritable, hungry, it cold. Can. It, and, can. Uh, it just, it, absolutely. And that's what, <laughs> so at the end of the day, like if you at least, have some money come through it's like okay all right like maybe it's not the best money maybe it was whatever but just even like whatever it makes it okay like you feel better yeah. about it. And, and again you're not working when you're you're not doing these other jobs when you're doing this and you're not doing whatever so just as you said all that time you're putting into it okay i still need to eat i still need to pay the bills i still need whatever i still need to live mm -hmm. like so you have to do that um most of the time on these indie films too um they're not providing your wardrobe they're not like like nope. we have to, we do our own makeup. We do it. That costs a lot of money. So sometimes you may just kind of come through and you just, maybe at the end of the day, you didn't really make anything because you just have used the money that they're paying you to buy mm -hmm. what you need to buy. But like, it just feels better. And you're respecting yourself at that point too. And that is so stinking important for all of this. It, so it, it can dry up. Yeah. You're making yourself vulnerable in front of people. You're doing all these things. So if this stuff isn't working out, like it, it can mess with your head. Yeah, because oh, it does. And you know, you're not just being vulnerable. You know, you're you're giving like there's a reason why people try out for these things. Even though yeah. sometimes acting may seem like it comes easy to those who do it, like to a sense, like it's a lot of work. And you you really try to get into these characters and you you give it your all, but it yeah. takes a certain type of personality. You're not turning around every corner and finding these people. Right. You're just not. You know, I found out the other day the number one phobia for most people is public speaking. The number two is death. So that means people would rather die than get up in front and talk in front of people. So sure. just the fact that we do that is, sure. yeah. should be admirable yeah. in itself. You know, sure. there's a lot of people they are not doing that. So See, I found in life in so much, whether it be doing this movie stuff, whether it be doing... Um, emceeing events, hosting events or whatever and stuff. And, and going back to seeing again that this probably all started because of the trauma I had kind of in high school, what was going on and everything. So now when I go and I do this stuff, I'm not nervous at all. And the reason I'm not nervous at all is because in reality, I am in control of the situation. I'm yeah. in control of what is going on. I'm leading what's going on, whatever, you know, so are our, our, our hundreds or thousands of people looking at me? This, yeah but I'm in control of it. You know what I mean? So it's just like, whatever, I'm going to set the tone. This is what's going on. And yeah. then, you know, like, and it's not, I'm not bulldozing through. I'm not whatever. I'm a very, very empathetic person. So I'm definitely feeding off of what's going on with my audience, whatever's up and that kind of stuff too. But like, I am in control of the situation. So I don't get nervous at all to do that, to speak in front of, to whatever. It brings me zero anxiety. Um, it literally, I would rather be up there talking to a coliseum filled with people as opposed to sometimes walking into this big group of people. Like I'll be fine and you're not going to know, but like sometimes you go in like I'll have more anxiety, like walking into like a social situation, do whatever. It's just like, it's just different, yeah. you know, as compared to being up there doing this big thing in front of all these people or being on a set 
or do whatever. It's just, again, I'm like in control. Well, Rob, let, let me ask you this question, because this happens to a lot of people that have our types of personalities. You, yes. you normally go into places and you bring an energy into a room because everybody knows you. Uh, yeah. Dave, I know this happens to you all the time. You have a specific energy. You have a specific way you can talk to people. And it's almost expected. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. It's expected yeah. that you're going to just turn that. And you're not always in the mood to do that. <laughs> That's right. yeah. You're not always in the mood to do that. But you, you're like, so when you're not even getting paid, it's like, boom, I got to change the mood in this place. You know what's funny? People are I gonna, bet you. Oh. you Rob is like us. I bet you Rob is like us where you you've literally been invited to events where you're like, I'm not sure why I'm being invited to this event. And then you realize it's because people know you're going to have fun when you get there. Yes. And it's like, you're, yes. you're, you're yeah. going to be, yeah. you're yeah. going to be talking yeah. and you realize that's actually a thing. It's like, you know, I, I don't know these people well enough to be invited to their wedding, but for some reason, right. uh, you know what I mean? We'll make it fun like, for everybody that's right. there and, and go yeah. out there. You can perform or, or go dance out there, Rob, go get up to do whatever. It's like, oh my God. Okay. They need like, someone to different. do something stupid and they know we'll do that. Right. 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 <laughs> well, and there's certain people that can just pull it off. There's certain people that can say things in a room that nobody else could say, but it's like, sure. oh, well, Rob said it. Who gives a shit? You know? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> you know, it's true. Like, oh, you're so, so crazy. True. You're too funny. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Rob, we love everything you say. We don't like, care. Right, just... Say it again. Say it again. Or people <laughs> coming up to, I since high school, and I still have people I'll see from high school that come up, they're like, Rob, say something funny. <laughs> it's like, come on. Like, hey, I'll, do, I'll just like say whatever. I'm like, what do you want me to like? Oh, you're so crazy. Like, it's just like, what do you, like, it's like, what do you want me to say? Oh my God, there he goes again. He's crazy. That's wrong. Say it again. I'm like, wait, I don't know what you want me to say. Just say it again. Oh my God, he's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> you know what though, man, what you were saying earlier was so spot on about how you said like, um, the one place that you feel in control is is on that stage talking yeah. in front of people. And you know, people say it to me all the time. And it's like, man, I have anxiety everywhere in my life except that stage. Me too. Me and, too. and it's like, me that's too. kind of what it is. And it's funny too, because I've even said this before where it's like, if, if I'm playing to 5,000 people, that's yeah. more comfortable to me than playing yeah. to five people. Yeah. It, it, because I have to actually interact with those five people on a personal level. 5,000 right. people are just a mass of carpet. Right. Right. And you and go, you know, like, and as you're going, um, you know, you're always, you're certainly connecting with each of those 5,000 people. And there's that whole thing is going, you know, but it is, but it's, it's just different. It's like, I'm so feedback driven too. So it's like when you're out there and stuff, like a lot of times when I'm hosting these things, I'll get people, you know, Let's make some noise. Let's do this, whatever. And the moment that stuff starts happening, I know that I have my audience. Like, I know that we're good to go because they're responding to me. You just kind of keep it going. And it makes me more confident. I stand up taller at that moment. Um, but it's just so much easier because now I'm getting that feedback as well, or just that energy, that energy exchange. So they're excited it's going on. And now I'm going to turn her back around. And you're just, now you're there. So anything that may be going wrong in life or whatever, you don't have time to think about it because you're doing, you're in that moment, whatever. It's yeah. great. Um, you're and, just and again, it. you're in control of the situation. So I, I, yeah. I, exactly, exactly. It is so much more exhausting to try to five, 10, 15, something people, when you are doing that little, because you're checking in the one person, this, that, whatever, and stuff, it's a whole different thing, but you can just go when you got that audience and they're good to go. You're good to go. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah definitely. 
Very um, cool. Well, Rob, let, let me kind of drift us into your experience because it was so different for artists, especially once 2020 came and everything yeah. shuts down. Yeah. Um, nothing was artistically people were in the zone artistically, but nothing was getting done. Like everybody I talked to is like, I came up with the best ideas I ever had in my life during the pandemic because yeah. I was just shut in and I'm doing what I'm going to do. But then all of a sudden, you know, you're not doing any projects. Right. So no. what was it like for you? Like what, what did you end up having to do to stay by? Oh my God. It was, that was, it, it was so bad. I, I'm still, I'm, Going into even in this moment right now, as we're coming into the holidays and everything, while there is no reason to be worried about whatsoever, after experiencing what we experienced there, I've still got my guard up. I'm just like, yeah, I, I, I don't think for a second, I don't think for a second anything is going to go wrong at all. There's no rational reason, whatever, there isn't anything. But it's like that was so terribly bad that I'm just like, oh, this is what it feels like when we get to this time. Cause it was just, it was just terrible. Um, yeah, everything stopped. Um, between acting gigs, between um, emceeing gigs, between anything else like that that we were doing, everything stopped because you couldn't bring people together and you couldn't have a, a community event and you couldn't do whatever, so it all stopped. So initially out the gate, um, um, I certainly was not financially prepared for that whatsoever, so the whole thing just dropped on out. And I started doing, to make ends meet, I started... Um, doing like delivery service things. So I was doing like Uber Eats and, and Grubhub and Instacart grocery shopping for people and doing these whatever. So I'm doing these things. And in the beginning of it, it was like, okay, I, I figured out how to do this and it's okay. And I could still do it in my own time, whatever. But then as time went, but I, the whole time I just kept thinking, you know, it's just going to be another like two weeks or it's just going to be another three weeks or maybe just another month of this, mm -hmm. like manage or whatever. And then suddenly a year had gone by. And now suddenly we're into 2021 and the same situations here. And this is what it was. And very quickly, within a couple months of doing that, I started losing my identity and I had no idea who I was anymore because I wasn't performing or doing anything like that. Yeah. Furthermore, I like the, the, the fulfillment of feedback coming back to me. But in that circumstance at that time, any of these delivery things, because of all the fear that was out there, you would literally go, you get the person's food, you, you drop it up in their door, you'd send them a tax, your food's here, and you go. So it was never that, like, even just a person opening the door, if they would have said, thank you, that would have actually worked much better for me. But that's not how it worked. You know, it was just like you dropped it off, took a picture, off you went. So there was just no interaction of anything. Mm -hmm. Nothing was going on. So 2020 for me, I, I was dealing with so much just sadness and this sucks and it's just whatever, whatever, fear, everything. I was worried about my family, all this stuff was going on. You know, you're like, what do you believe? What are you supposed to be doing? Is this right? Is this whatever? whatever? But you had to keep going and kept going and stuff like that. So it was like sadness and stuff like that. 2021 rolled around and that sadness started turning into anger, anger. And I yeah. found myself moments I'm driving. I've got like road rage. Like I'm not like that at all. But I'm having these moments like I'm literally like someone cuts me off and I want to flick them off. I want to like, I'm not like that at all, at all. And when I start noticing that, I'm like, okay, man, sums up. You gotta calm yeah. down. Well, you know, like it's, it's funny that you talk about that, Rob, because um, a couple episodes ago, I had on someone who, you know, deals with trauma and healing and stuff. And she's talking yeah. about like when we're angry and it really resonated with me because I realized how true it was. Yeah. Uh, you know, when we're angry, it really normally stems from the emotion of just being hurt. Yeah. You know, yeah. like somebody's hurt us in some way. So 
most men, you know, even I was like this, you know, you get you, your defaults anger, you know, you're just like, I'm angry because I'm hurt. And, you know, yeah. this is the way I'm going to be. And uh, that's how that was through that time, you know, especially when you talk about, you couldn't even get a thank you for dropping off somebody's groceries or something. And it made sense. But at the same time, we feel like we need, you can't be in a constant sea of negativity and expect right. none of it to seep into the boat, you know? Right. And then once it's in there, if you start drowning, it's like, what else is going to happen? So that it destroys you. So it's, yeah. I get it. I mean, that's what was happening to a lot of us. Um, yeah. It just made me think of that. I mean, we're all hurting and then we're getting angry and then, I mean, let's face it, the whole country's angry at each other at that time. So more negativity. It's not just a matter of, do we say pandemic and stuff? But when I see pandemic, really what I'm meaning is the, the COVID stuff and whatever and things like that too. But we had all of racial injustice going on. We had all the political stuff going on. We whatever. And everyone at that moment, it was like people weren't, didn't feel safe to talk about the pandemic medical per se. So I feel like so many people that got channeled into political and this and whatever, and yep, all these things yep. were going on. And it was just like, you know, there's like, there's people in my life anymore who like, I had to cut them out and I'll never invite them back after what, how I saw them react or speak or whatever in those moments. There's some people that never quite checked in properly. <coughs> whatever. And again, I just had to kind of cut. So it's just like everything was changing, but you didn't have the ability really to get out there and find new people to replace those people like, I know. and all that stuff. So like, it was just, it was just terrible. And like, um, we did, um, I, I, I run a company too called Real Pop Fusion in, uh, in Northeast Ohio. And we're a company, we're all about positivity and, and bringing people together in um, Cleveland pride and just celebrating, celebrating people, bringing people together. So it's very family focused, all that good stuff. So we had a great year lined up for 2020 and within a couple of months, it was all gone. And we ended up, we did like two shows at the end of the year at two of the malls. And it literally was the rules of Footloose, where in these shows, we do like games and prizes and dancing and giveaways. It's a very interactive, very engaging. Um, but it was the year, it was the, the rules of Footloose where literally they'd come up to us and like, okay, before you guys get started, just remember, you can't dance. You're not allowed to dance. And you're not whatever. And it was like, what is going on? Like, it's like, so you couldn't, so we couldn't even, we're out there trying to like build people back up because it's so trauma for our, so traumatic for our community. And we couldn't even do it. We're just like standing there. We've got our masks on, all that jazz. Um, and those were tough moments to be feeling so low and then turn it back on and be up there like, hey, everything's fine. In the middle, it was, that was hard. It was very hard. So, um, but that, yeah, we wrote, yeah, by 2021, by June, we started picking up and we started having more shows and stuff like that. Um, more of the um, acting roles started happening again. You started seeing audition opportunities come up and all that good stuff. Um, there was one project that I did, um, or a couple projects that I did film um, during the pandemic. Um, and it was totally the whole, you got to take a COVID test and you got to whatever, and you got to wear a mask when you're not on camera and whatever, like all that stuff. Oh yeah. Um, so I did experience that. And, and I mean, in that moment though, what a blessing to be able to do it because it was just like the farthest thing I thought I would be able to do. And I was able to do it. So that was awesome too. But you um, start to learn to appreciate everything in life you ever took for granted. I mean, you, if you pull anything out of this for any human being, I don't care where they're at on the political spectrum. You, yep. you people, you don't know how good you have something until it's taken away. You know, yep. it's just like that in life. We always take things for granted. And that's the one thing I am definitely taking out of that is like, when I go places now, 
I've never been one to really like a super crowd, but I'm like, at least people are out. Oh, at least I have this yeah. restaurant I can go to. At least I can, uh, you know, I can go to a movie if I want to go to a movie. I can I'm audition for something. I can go to work. I can go to the gym. I, I appreciate, I look at everything in a different light. So I, I do too. Um, I try to keep, I keep, um, there's still are some moments right here where I'm still kind of like, I, like I said, kind of adjusting back out of it and everything like that. But for the most part, um, those moments I do completely embrace. And, and I certainly going into any social scene or some event or um, recently I went out to like the um, Ingenuity Festival and it was like, oh my God, thank God you're back. And there's all kinds of different people here. And this is great. Um, the one big thing that I keep kind of thinking is, and I do have that appreciation for on that same way so much. Um, but another thing is just kind of like trying to remember um, as, as trials and tribulations come up now in, in current time and everything, just remembering if, if you, it starts stressing you out or whatever, you can stop for a second and, and remember yourself, man, I just made it through that pandemic. I'm still, yep. alive. when I say pandemic, it's everything that was going on in, in time at that time. I made it through that. I'm alive. I'm happy. Work's going good. And if I made it through that, it's probably isn't that big of a deal. So I really want to hold on to that, that memory too. You know, just that was, I'm still here. I'm still here. Yep. And I'm still breathing and things are still going on and whatever. And, you know, and I do feel like I'm progressing forward again and things are coming on up. So it's like, that's what you kind of remember. Like this, it's no big deal. Don't sweat it. You know, that was and like all the uncertainty, all the, whatever. it's like, it's, it's, it's so hard to even remember what we were even feeling back then. Cause it's just like, like so intense. So whatever, but like, we don't want to remember either. Like it no. was so crazy, you no. know, block it, out. block it out. But no, I, I have been, I've been very like, just my whole outlook on the universe is completely different now. And I really have just been trying to say, stay as positive as I can about things. And, you know, some of it came from that cliche saying it's like, Oh, I have to go to work or, Oh, I have to go to the gym. I, I really do look at it as I get to go to the gym. I get I've, to, I've go to the gym. Yeah. Yeah. You know, whether, whether it's, it's or not, totally different. Whether or not you got COVID or not, or got really sick or anything, what you did get was a big dose of perspective during yeah. the pandemic. Definitely. Uh, it was almost unavoidable. There, people out there, though, so I appreciate so much you guys saying this, because at the same time, we do run into people from time to time, and you'll be like, you know, how was it? Like, honestly, my life didn't really change that much. And it was a, it's like, come on! Like, there's no way! <laughs> really? Come on! There's no way. I don't see that in the moment, but I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, okay, cool. In three to five years, you're going to be talking to someone because you're going to have some issues because there's no way that you're yeah. affected by that. Yeah. Well, and, and, yeah and Rob, but you it know almost what? makes me go like, that's really sad. I like, how do you, you know what, though? I, I will really say change to that and see it after that. You're not changing. Like, yeah, no, I feel like some of the things I feel like some of the effects from the pandemic, though, were sort of sneaky, yeah. like they 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 snuck up on you and they were they were a part of your life before you even realized it almost. And then you sort of then you then you sort of had to, like, unbury yourself from it after like post post fact, yeah. like you're you're already underground and then you're like, shit, I should start digging. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, that awareness is so important. And, um, and, and yeah, it's like, if you, I, I, I don't know. I, I tried so hard because to, to just understand anyone's circle or at least respect it and not pass judgment on whatever, because while certainly some were more extreme, whatever, like it, it certainly was, it's just like every person's moment was completely different through all that. But at the same time, it's like, 
So I just, whatever it was, if you were mad, you were this, you were there, but it's just like, no, okay. Like, it's like, all right. So just started to send them love. All right. You know, that's yours. And, and I hope you, you come out of that or whatever. But, but, but again, like Brian, it just, it's just like, these, it, either, either they, they're blocking out the trauma and it isn't what that, like, it's just like, well, girls love that. Or you like, you're never going to change. There's no yeah. way. It was like, <laughs> it's impossible. It's just too long. It was too long of no. amount of time. You no, know, like, when, so you, when someone says that to you, you just say, oh, so you're a sociopath. Cool. I, Back to your life. I, it. I don't say it. I'm like, well, that's good to hear. And then I kind of feel like a moron because I'm just like, well, why am I still in trouble by this? Why was it a thing for me? And I just walk away. I'm like, that's cool. And I got to stop it for him. It's like, okay, that's how it was. Or they're insane. I totally get that there are extroverts out there who are gaining their energy from people. And there's introverts out there who they feel like their energy is drained from people. But even introverts, I don't care how introverted, some of them have got to been like, this is, this is a little too extreme for me. I need to exactly. say hello to somebody. I, I need to go you do something you know outside that. of here. No, there's that one person out there that's like, no, I was watching The Office 24 hours a day before right, the pandemic, fine. so, so uh, oh. nothing affected my life at all. Just right, right. Maybe you guys don't know what it's like to live with back pain. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yes. Ah. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. my no, world. You are absolutely right. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. It's it it, it it's crazy, and it's going to take a moment. It's still going to take. I think it's like when we, we just get to make some of these milestones. It's like you make it through this holiday season. You make it through here. You make it through. Like even last summer, like we weren't really worried about it sort of thing. like um, yeah. it's just it's just. Changing. Well, that's why I think you've got that fear, Rob, because last summer, like 2021 summer, we like I remember, Dave, you even played a couple shows. Um, I'm sure you were doing a few things 2021 summer, Rob. But yeah. then you're cruising into the holiday season and they were like, they canceled your new year's Eve show, Dave. Yep. They canceled a lot of new year's Eve. Yeah. Party. We had a new, we had a new year's thing. They were supposed to do too. They got canceled. Yep. Yeah. It, it was just, so we cruised right back into like another, right. uh, nobody wanted to open anything up because they didn't want to feel responsible for an outbreak. Uh, right. News was all over it. It was all over everything. So there's a little part of every person we're in November and I know that Christmas isn't too far away, but there's just like that. You know what? I'm not even going to breathe it into the universe. I'm not going to say anything. Uh, there's a little piece of everybody who's just hanging on a fence a little bit. You know, we're just kind of chilling out. Shit. We're just waiting. <laughs> we're seeing yeah. what's going on. We're trying to get some, gain some perspective. I get it. Yeah. So yeah. don't you even say it because you know what? You still can't get a decent meal at a restaurant since the pandemic. I'm 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 over that shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh man. Well. Hey, hey, while we're co coming out of that, though, I know we're getting to pretty recent. You're coming out of the um, pandemic, yeah. Rob. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you've st you've been pretty busy since then, though, because I know you've got a couple movies that are yet to come out. Um, one is House of Crow, Legend of the Melonheads, and then another yeah. one's called Spectre. Now, when did you yeah. start shooting those? Was this within uh, right about that time? Um, pretty much after that. So, yes. Uh, um so uh, House of Crow, The Legend of the Mountain Heads, um, we were filming that in 2021. Um, as that was starting, it was right at the, or at least when we first started talking about it, maybe we were talking about it like February, March of 2021, something like that. But as we were starting it, um, you had to, uh, you ha it, it was in that realm of like, 
masks and, and COVID tests and all that stuff was going on. So that definitely was a big, Oh yeah. Um, we couldn't do a read through in person. We had to do like a zoom reading with everybody, which was, which was different. Um, but we, you know, when we did our first read through and everything, and then we finally got filming probably more. So um, it took a moment because of pandemic and things because of that, because I think even one person did get under the weather and, and stuff like that. So it took, it took a minute. And then we probably started filming for real in uh, the end of August, I think of 2021. So we started, we did a little bit there. We did some in um, September, we did some in October and we finished the, the main stuff we were doing um, kind of like the beginning of December. Um, so, which was a little challenging because this was supposed to be a fall, a fall or a end of summer, fall outside movie. So that's how we were dressed. And then oh, we yeah. December, we're outside in our fall clothes. And there's like snow on the ground, but they had to like, <laughs> they had to clear the snow off the set because it couldn't look like snow had happened. And we're outside, so um, I felt uh, the the uh, I guess I'm not giving too much away, but th there's a moment there's a moment at the end of the film where the um, where the uh, uh, lead girl, um, her name is Alicia Spurlock, where she has to push me in a wheelchair and Alicia's like, like I'm close to 200 pounds. She's like hundred pounds, 90 pounds, something like that. Yeah. So we're out in this woods. We're out in the woods at night, pretending it's fall. I'm sitting there in this wheelchair. She's got to, <laughs> we're, we're running from the melon heads and she's got to push me down the stage. Like great job, Alicia. This time go further in the woods and push him a little further. She's like, I'm going to pass out. She's like, I can't. So, that's pretty crazy. But um, yeah, but that was awesome. That that was awesome. And I was so thankful to be doing that after all that. Oh my God. Oh my God to be doing a film. So um that 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 was it was great. Um super fun experience. Um the only the the, the weather was a challenging thing because again, we had some moments where it was like we're literally out there in, in um I don't even remember what city we were in anymore. Somewhere an hour away, and it was this farm farm house come whatever we're in the woods this whole thing's going on um it's night it's freezing freezing outside and we're just kind of dry there's only so i mean you could put some like under armor on and things like that but it was cold i mean there's snow on the ground there's snow on the ground yeah but it's supposed to be fall or summer so they're literally like the distributors or whatever they're like well you, you can't have that on the ground you're gonna have to remove it so they're like they're pushing the snow off and um and um it was, it was pretty crazy that way, but um, I'm excited for that one. That one turned out really well, um, really, really well. Um, the Melonheads is another sort of urban Northeast Ohio legend. Some, some people talk about it in Michigan and the Melonheads. And some people talk about it in Pennsylvania too, but it is a, a, a legend about um, these kids who um, the legend is that there was this, what is it? Basically that there were these kids sightings in, um, Kirtland County in Ohio, where every once in a while people would go into the woods and they would see these kids with these huge bulbous heads or whatever. So the whole thing was that the legend is that they were so supposed to be or, or possibly have been experimented on and whatever's going on. So there were kind of these like new kids and um, people in these different communities would put um, supposedly would put baby bottles filled with blood 
hanging from the trees and stuff like that. So hopefully these melon heads would go and drink this blood rather than kill their cattle or kill whatever and everything. So it's like, oh my thing. God. People really talk about these. Like they almost sound like gray aliens. You know what I mean? Like they got these they giant, that way. they're supposed to be yeah. these small people with these giant bulbous heads. They kind of look that way. They kind of look that way. Brian, um, Brian, wasn't that, wasn't, don't you remember a long time ago you and I went and read for some movie? Wasn't that like a melon heads movie? It might've been. It might there was another one that had come out in the last five or ten years too that I believe was put in this area too, where they had the Melonheads was was part of that. I think I, Dave that, and I had tried have... out for it. Uh, there was one that came out in 2010. That might have been the one that we tried. I can't. Okay. Something happened, but we did. We went and read for it, and it, I remember having fun. But like, I don't know. Remember? But that was the first time I had ever heard of of a Melonhead. Yeah. Yeah. So apparently that's a big, apparently which is a it's big folklore thing. of the area. So this is very yeah. suiting for the Cleveland Schwill. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and yeah, Rob has cool. done well, almost did a Gore Orphanage movie too. So that would have been great. Right. Been gore Orphanage. We got the Melon Heads. We did uh, all of it. Uh, yeah. Well, what about the Spectre movie? I know you're still shooting it. Um, yeah. So we're based on up. So um, Spectre, it's a, it's a. A series. There's going to be five or six episodes of it all together, about like um, twenty to thirty minute episodes. Um, um, we're just kind of wrapping it up now. They're getting ready to do some like principal editing, kind of see where we're at and everything. But um, that's been we've been doing that over the summer. Um, really cool, really great people in it again. Um, the premise of that one is I'm this character, I play this character um, named Jacob, and he has the ability to see ghosts, but more importantly, he has the ability to help ghosts cross over. So once they've died, they're kind okay. of still out of here, but he can kind of help them get to where they need to go sort of thing. So it's this whole story about that. And my, one of my good buddies, um, due to sort of a, 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 a curse or a spell, um, also somehow uh, while reading a William Shakespeare book um, that William Shakespeare was, in fact, like the actual William Shakespeare somehow was his soul was bound to this book and now his soul is bound to this guy. So my buddy has like William Shakespeare by his side or whatever. He kind of pops in from time to time and it's William Shakespeare and they're oh, very cool. different personalities. They're all like bickering and stuff like that. Oh, that's then, cool. Um, yeah. And then, um, and then my girlfriend in the movie, um, I'm very much hesitating about telling her that I could see these spirits because in previous relationships, I brought it up and they thought I was crazy. So it's kind of about like that whole story too. So kind of like balance, trying to balance this relationship with this thing going on with whatever. And um, my character works as a um, kind of like a, like a, um, like a counselor, like a grief counselor sort of um, and helps people on out. So it's kind of like, a, like trying to figure out his footing is he could like, let's somehow get these two things together. Um, so it's kind of that journey and, and what happens from there. So, um, but it, it's fun. This one's very like lighthearted. There's no, gore whatsoever everything else is so bloody all the time bloody, bloody, bloody. yeah um but this one's more just like um like supernatural fun stuff um even like the show supernatural like it has kind of like a tone like that um so that that's pretty cool i'm excited about that one. i i think it's great i think that's yeah. a lot of fun um yeah. so bef while we're kind of transitioning into a close i do want to figure out uh, one, what does Real Pop Fusion have coming up? We did just talk about the two movies you do have coming up, but also where can yeah. we find you? I know you have a public uh, page on Facebook. Yeah. Um, but where else can we find uh, stuff about Rob Yeager? So if we want to hire you or we want to uh, find out where Real Pop Fusion is going to be at or what kind of events sure. you got. 
Sure, sure, sure. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so acting-wise and everything I do, I have a, um, a public figure page on Facebook, just the, the Rob Yeager page or Rob Yeager. So R-O-B-J-E-R is on Facebook. Um, a lot of the different projects that I do get to work on, I'll, I'll post updates about them on there. Um, so that's a great place. Um, uh, as far as Real Pop Fusion stuff, um, Real Pop Fusion, we have, um, we're, have some, still have some holiday shows coming on up. Um, we're doing a show at uh, South Park Mall, like a Black Friday party where we're giving out gift cards and things at South Park Mall from one to three um, on Black Friday. We're also going to be, um, that just lit Brian's eyes up. He loves gift cards. Um, <laughs> he does. There, he does. You know. um, we've got that coming on up. We also on um, December 3rd have an event called Holly Jolly Pajama Jam. Um, another party. And this one's at Great Northern Mall um, where uh, our guests are invited to come dress in either their pajamas, um, ugly sweaters, or holly attire. And everybody who comes dressed like that will be entered into a sweepstakes and one Lucky person is going to win a $500 shopping spree at Great wow. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. Um, we have a balloon artist. We have um, free cookies. We have all kinds of games that we're playing, holiday music. We only play positive, upbeat holiday music as well. So you're not going to cry coming to this event. Do you ever hate that sometimes <laughs> you go in there? You go to the cards, you, I don't know, like Drug Mart or something like that. And this song is it's just like, I'm going to kill myself. I'm literally going to kill myself right now. Like it's so low. Yeah. We don't, do, yeah. We don't play that. So um, <laughs> we have that coming up. And then another fun one coming up too is um, New Year's Eve, which again is a great of them all. And that is the countdown to the final noon of 2022 um nice moon drop yeah so that's at great northern malls as uh as well that's december 31st from 11 to 12 30 so that'll be a lot of fun and um a good way to end up the year so those are those ones um yeah um yeah facebook is a great place and everything too um my email um current acting email you can use too is just rob yeager the number two i don't know who the other rob yeager is but we got to take care of him but right now <laughs> <laughs> So Rob Yeager, the number two at gmail.com um, are great ways that you could reach me out there as well. So good stuff oh, coming up. Man, you got a lot. I'm glad you're busy. We're not yeah. in 2020 anymore. I'm glad you're busy. No, it is. It, it, it is. It is. I mean, I'm, I'm finally at the point, too, as we're coming in. Like, I'm, I'm so thankful to have done the Melonheads movie. I'm so thankful to have done the Spectre. I'm so thankful that with Real Pop Fusion, we've been so it's been our busiest year yet. We were we were nonstop two to three events every weekend going on all October. So we were all over Northeast Ohio. We did um, walk to and Alzheimer's events. We did all these mall shows, um, school events coming up. Like we're just, we're, it's, it's, it's rocking. It's rocking. And that's fun and super positive. And then the filming stuff is all going to. So now as we're coming on through um, and I continue to just to kind of like leave that stuff behind. You know, that's been kind of whatever. Um, I've been taking some boxing classes at Title Boxing to like for that anger and everything. Oh, good. Therapeutic. Yeah, that's awesome. But I've been doing those things. And now coming into this new year, um, it definitely is. I'm going to um, go ahead and get another um, commercial agent, start doing those commercials again. Um, and um, and just any uh, any other films and things, too. And just kind of I, I I feel that we're, we're back enough that yeah, we can go yeah. through it. Makes sense to not like your, your yeah. feelings aren't going to get hurt because it's going to stop. It's going to be fine. And we're just moving forward. So yeah, it's, it's, I'm very optimistic for the coming year. It's very, very good. Yeah, I'm, this that's yep. music to my ears. And speaking yeah, of uh, Dave, did you want to tell anybody about a couple upcoming shows before the new year? Uh, 
before, like, I know you're playing New Year's Eve at uh, Brothers Lounge for up to. Yeah, uh, we're going to do, we're going to, yeah, we're going to do New Year's, Jones. New Year's show at Brothers Lounge. Awesome. Uh, and we're doing, um, we're doing a, a, one more Beatles brunch in December. I think it's December 10th at the Music Box Supper Club. So that'll be a fun one. I love that um, place. Too. That's a good place. Nice. Dude. Yeah. Really good yeah. views. Good people. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that'll be a couple of good things we got going on before New Year's, and we just want to get to New Year's. Let's just get there. <laughs> Let's just make it through. Let's, Let's just get there, man. Yep. We're good. We're good. We're gonna get there. And if we had to take, if you had to take away one lesson from today, what would you say you learned? Is this me? Yeah. Because I, mean, I, I learned, I, mean, I, I learned an amazing lesson today. You want to know? What okay, it give, is? give it to me because I'll say my my lesson I learned today is. If you ever get lucky enough to get a movie part, you better love your haircut. You're going to have it for a while. You're going to have it for a while. That's the most valuable lesson you could ever have, Dave. Ever. That's what I took away from today. And you better hope skinny jeans don't go out of style. Because you're going to be wearing them for a minute. Exactly. Well, if I had to take take a lesson, I would say – that every time I'm at a Walmart at two o'clock in the morning, I'm going to be looking for Rob Yeager in, in the aisles. <laughs> I would hope so. I'd be like, does he have a new movie out? Because I want to find him. Well, find and him. if I'm there, it would be helpful to have someone to freaking hold the camera for me. And I and, and Rob, you have my work. If I All see right. you, I'm holding the camera for you. You don't Dave, need to. Brian. You don't even need to Brian. ask. I'm going to walk Dave, right Brian. over. I'm going to say, "Can I Dave, see your Brian. iPhone, please?" And I'm going to take <laughs> it. Yeah. You're you know what my lesson is? I learned today. What's that, Rob? That God don't make no junk. <laughs> yeah. That is the truth. Very well, deep and resonant into both of you, I can see. That's fantastic. <laughs> for some I'm reason, still- audio, for those of you listening Rob. out there, Brian literally just passed out. So we're waiting for him to stand back up. <laughs> Everything's fine, though. No need to worry. No need to worry. No, don't worry. I'm just choking on my summer berry Waterloo uh, Sparkling water. That's all that happened. I'm back. Such beautiful effervescence, though. Yeah. Um, can't but see with video. that being said, everybody, I, I hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. Um, I and I'm where while we're uh, actually recording this, Thanksgiving hasn't happened yet. So I'm going to wish Rob and Dave a wonderful Thanksgiving. But everybody, Thank listen. Very, very much. You've had you. They've had their Thanksgivings already. And they everyone have full else, I, see, I hope it was a fantastic yeah. Thanksgiving. They still have they still We're have the leftovers have... in the fridge. They're fighting over who's going to have the cookies. Meanwhile, Dad's already eaten them in the other room. We know. Oh, yeah, about to, uh, We're about to have a gone. happy Thanksgiving. You've already got the gas. Have a good one, everybody. <laughs> have a good one. <laughs> My gout kicked up. What? Um, <laughs> but uh, with that being said, everybody, uh, have a drink for us at Cleveland Schwill this holiday season. We know you're around your relatives. You're going to need it anyway. And until then, have a good one.